Welcome to the Art of Conversation. I'm Cam Roberts. Today, I had the honor and the privilege of speaking with Ashlyn Burnett. She is the owner of Heartland Wellness and is a nationally certified health and wellness coach. She is brilliant. She is funny. She's down to earth, but like most importantly, she is dedicated to her craft and it is just beyond inspiring to be around someone like her. Like seriously, this conversation was one in a million and I'm so thankful that she wanted to do it and I'm just beyond grateful to be a part of her life and a part of her journey. Like seriously, this was amazing and I'm just so, so, so excited for you guys to listen to this. I feel like you're going to be able to take something away from this conversation. We talked about nutrition. We talked about habits. We talked about patterns. We talked about what consciousness is. We talked about a lot of things in this conversation and whether you know anything about nutrition at all or even like health and fitness, it's you're going to learn something whether you know something or not like this is just a fun conversation to listen to i think it was a super fun conversation to have and just sincerely from the bottom of my heart thank you so much for wanting to listen to this and wanting to listen to this episode and for supporting me and for supporting ashlyn this is absolutely amazing and i'm just so beyond excited for you guys to listen to this conversation please feel free to leave a comment reach out to me on instagram my personal instagram is cameronpo48 her Instagram is heart.led.wellness. I also have an Instagram page for this podcast. It is art.convo. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want to discuss topic ideas, please feel free to let me know. Like I'm so excited to hear back from you guys and just beyond excited for you guys to hear this conversation. So I'm going to stop talking. Without further ado, here is the amazing Ashlyn Burnett. Talk soon. So Heartland Wellness, is that what you always had in mind or was that just what you came to conclusion on after anything and everything? Like what led you to Heartland Wellness is Mm -hmm. my question. Like the name? The name. What's your, what draw, what drew you to that name? Okay. Well, I had like a vision for my business and for what I wanted to help people with before I actually came up with the name. So I knew I wanted to help people with their health and their wellness and their overall well-being, like mental health, physical health, emotional mm-hmm. health. And then I was trying to come up with a name that included all of those things. And so I knew I wanted to use the word wellness of some sort because I feel like that really encapsulates like mental and physical health. Like it's just your overall wellness. And then something that was really important to me along my own health journey was reconnecting with my intuition and with Mm. my heart. Cause I feel like so much of the health and wellness culture is super mind focused, like read these peer reviewed studies and do these things for your health or like all these tips and tricks that are good for your health. And I feel like it kind of left out the heart part of it, like connecting with what we actually think is best for our own health. Cause only, only we know what is best for us deep down. We can read all these peer reviewed studies and, you know, all these articles, listen to all these podcasts, but we are all different and what we all need is different depending on our bodies and our lives. So I really liked the word heart led because I feel like it just encapsulates that of like connecting to your heart and to your intuition and doing what you know is best for you from that place versus what is you think is right in your mind or what somebody else is telling you to do. Okay. That's interesting. (laughs) So you think, so basically from what I heard, Mm -hmm. your heart has more 
of an opinion than your mind because you know you always feel like mind over matter or trust your mind not your heart or trust your heart not your mind so like or you hear people say like trust your gut would you personally say that you trust your heart more than any other organ in your Mm. body (laughs) that's a good question (laughs) Mm, i think yes and no okay i think i listen to all parts like all feedback systems because my mind obviously is important like that's part of the advantage of being a human is that we have intelligent brains so we can actually make decisions that animals can't necessarily make because we have a more developed brain so like listening to your mind is important um but yes i do think that our hearts and our intuition and you said your gut kind of to me those are all connected like when i say my heart i don't really physically mean my heart like beating in my chest but more that soft intuition inner knowing which also is connected to your gut instinct Hmm. because it's kind of all that same. It's like a body feeling. So instead of it being in your mind, it's more of like, what is your body feeling in that moment? I see. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And I can see how you can apply that to coaching and why it's been successful, which by the way, you might go in and explain. So what are you getting into now? What did you graduate with? We Mm kind of hinted at it, but what are you, what are you doing now? Like, what are you using your skill skillage? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I graduated with a bachelor of science in integrative healthcare which is basically like holistic medicine, alternative health, that realm. Mm-hmm. And then I also am a national board certified health and wellness national coach. Board. Nice. <laughs> national. National. <board. laughs> awesome. Yes. Yeah, so right now I am working one-on-one with clients, helping them with their overall health and wellness. And I really focus on creating a healthy relationship with food. Mm. That's one of my specialties as well as just a healthy relationship with our bodies in general and nervous system regulation and just deep the deep inner healing that I feel like is kind of scratched over especially in like normal talk therapy right. and that kind of stuff like I'm not a therapist but I do help people with more of this deep inner work that allows them to feel more connected to their bodies and feel more in their body and less in their mind so they can make decisions coming from that place around food or just around life in general that's cool I love it So in your journeys, like going through school and learning all this stuff, did you learn more through like the academia side of things where you sat down in a classroom? Did you learn more through classroom work or did you learn more just overall through like self exploration and like just seeking things out on your Mm -hmm. own or was it a pretty good balance? I'm just curious. Like in college or school Mm -hmm. in general? Uh, well, it depends. So like college, because like, that's obviously what you went to school for. You went to school to learn this stuff. So let's just use college. Did you learn more from college or did you learn more just from personal experience slash like seeking on your own or was it evenly balanced? Mm. I think I learned more through seeking on my own because that's how I learn better. That's awesome. Like not like somebody giving you a PowerPoint. Right. But from actually experiential learning, like having something happen in my own life and then me seeking answers for that mm-hmm. is really easy for me to remember things because right. it just feels so real. But I will say a lot of what I learned in college kind of reinforced what I had learned on my own because cool. I was hearing it again. I was learning it in a more academic setting right. with like tests and yeah, in that setting. So I feel like it made me remember it more deeply. And so it was a good thing, right? A lot of it I already knew just because I am a a knowledge seeker and I love reading and learning on my own. Oh, I love it. No, that's cool. Because I I can see it like firsthand that like 
that balance of personal experience in a college setting. And I think that's why you've been so successful as a coach is because you can take exactly what you learned and connect with someone as a person, but mm-hmm. then college made you do it through repetitions mm-hmm. so that you understand it better. So like yeah. I, from that aspect, I really enjoy it. I think that's cool. Yeah, exactly. And is that like one of the biggest things you strive for as being a coach is mostly just the connections rather than force feeding them? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Coaching. It, that's like a misconception that people have about coaching is yeah. that you're, telling people what to do or like giving them a protocol or a plan. And that can be some coaches approach is like, here's a meal plan or here's a, here's a workout plan. And that can be helpful in some cases, but the type of coaching that I do is more like transformational coaching. So it's really client led. So the client is bringing to the discussion what they want to talk about. And I obviously give my input and my expertise because I'm, I've probably gone through what they're going through. So that's why I'm, even coaching them in the first place. But the way that you get people to change or to have that transformation isn't by telling them what to do. It's by like eliciting it out of them. So asking them deep questions, having them really think more deeply about their life, about what they're going through so they can have the answer come to them themselves. Cause we all have answers within us. Right. We just need the right setting and the right person to kind of pull them out of us and the right tools. So I do teach people tools with how to regulate the nervous system and a lot of those like grounding exercises so we can actually be in our bodies and hear our intuition and hear that inner voice telling us what to do. So yeah, that's kind of like a misconception about coaching. No, I like that because like that's always a stigma I have about coaching is you go into into something, whether it be sports or health coaching, whatever kind of coaching, and Mm -hmm. all they're going to do is just force technique, technique, technique without really like oh, how come you actually aren't doing what I was telling you to do? And because it's probably some deeper rooted problem that you need to start with first. Mm -hmm. And so that's cool that Mm -hmm. you pinpoint the deeper rooted stuff and then expand from there with giving knowledge. Yeah, that's impressive. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you said it so well. It's like, we can do the surface level stuff, but why, why are you having a hard time sticking with it? Or yeah, that's what my favorite thing to do is I love to go deep. That's <laughs> right. And that's what I, I believe too. That's why, that's what I believe a coach should be doing mm-hmm. on like a deeper level is to not just come at you as someone who's going to teach you how to hit a baseball, but he's going to mm-hmm. teach you what hitting that baseball means in life and on the field. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can apply the same thing as to like why following this dietary plan is good, mm-hmm. not only for your gut, but for you as a whole person in general yeah. coming into like, what stems from that diet plan, the repetitions and the other patterns you're going to create just by following one thing. Right. Yes. I think oh. that's fascinating. That's why Same. I love my, I always have a couple of coaches in my mind. It's because mm-hmm. they hit us deeper than just, all right guys, let's go through the drills and let's go home. Right. Mm-hmm. And now it's like he, at least in baseball, the, he taught us how to be a team. Mm-hmm. And from there in any environment, whether it be work, school, even in your personal environment, you got to work as a team mm-hmm. that always worked out. And then you got to dig deep and believe. And I think that's interesting. And I think the people you work with are going to slowly but surely realize that. And mm-hmm. I think that's why it's going to keep working. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have, so now let's speak about diet because okay. like that's your, that's your thing. <laughs> I, I know it. You love to like anything diet related, food related. Yeah. It's amazing. I can ask you millions of questions. <laughs> um, what, for the people at home, I kind of already know, but what sparked your huge interest in diet? Like, why mm-hmm. did you all of a sudden become in love with foods and like why they hold so many different meetings and everything? Mm-hmm. What sparked that drive to, oh, I want to change people's diet? Yeah. Why? Oh boy, how deep do we want to go? <laughs> Bring it. Bring it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So 
my interest in nutrition really came from my own health journey Mm -hmm. and I struggled with a lot of health issues as a kid physical health issues gut health issues and those also turned into mental health issues which I now know how connected the gut and the brain are so it totally makes sense in my mind now why I ended up in that place because my gut was severely needing some support and that Mm -hmm. led to a lot of mental health issues and I also in my high school years was really struggling with my relationship with food so disordered eating eating disorder that type of thing And somehow I stumbled on a documentary about plant-based nutrition when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. And I watched this documentary and my mind was just blown. I had no idea that food had that big of an impact on our health, on the planet, the environment, everything. So basically overnight, because I'm kind of an all or nothing (laughs) overnight type person, I was like, I'm going to eat plant-based. I'm just going to do it overnight. Like this makes sense to me. And obviously those were the very early days and I didn't really know what I was doing. And I know so much more now. So I made a lot of mistakes early on, but that led to a huge transformation of my physical health. My gut issues massively improved and my mental health started to improve. Even though I was really trying to address my mental health with the traditional things like therapy and antidepressants and those types of things, Mm -hmm. I didn't really have a massive improvement until I changed my diet. And that was kind of like the tipping point where I just started to think, well, if the foods that I'm eating is playing this big of a role into my health, like what else is playing a role? And so nutrition was like the first thing that I got into, but then it led into like non-toxic living and personal development and mindset work and emotional work and all of the things that come along with what we call crunchy living. Crunchy. <laughs> crunchy yep. living. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just holistic health in general. So that's how I got into nutrition. And it's just been an evolving journey since then. And I know so much more now than I knew in the beginning about how to actually do it in a sustainable, healthy way and mm-hmm. to have a healthy relationship with food while still care- caring about your health. Because I think some people kind of get stuck in one way or the other. Like they, they care about their health to a point that it becomes unhealthy. It's so obsessive mm-hmm. or the other way around where we just have no knowledge at all about how to actually take care of our bodies. So right. I like to find that middle ground and that's kind of been the journey. That's fascinating. I like mm-hmm. it. I like that backstory. That's really fascinating. This might seem like a very basic question, mm-hmm. but I feel like it has multiple possibilities to go what is food? So like you're explaining Mm. like how it monumentally changed everything, like this documentary on different types of foods changed your life. So Mm -hmm. what is food? Why is it important? Like what would you categorize food as? Like, what is it? Why do we need it? Yeah. Ooh, this is a good question. Food is what gives us the energy to do everything. If we don't eat for a period of time, I mean, we can go because we have stores on our body, but Mm -hmm. after a period of time, we would die. We need food to live. It's what gives our cells the energy that they need, our mitochondria to produce energy. They need glucose and the glucose comes from the food that we eat. And from another perspective, we our bodies are designed to eat living foods, hmm. things that have life force in them because it gives us life force. It gives us energy. So when you, even when you're thinking about food, like a package of Oreos, is that living or is that dead? It's the bomb. <laughs> it's, it's a dead bomb. <laughs> yeah, it's a dead bomb. <laughs> it's very dead food right. and there's no life force in it. There's no uh, that like energy in that food mm. versus like an apple has lots of life force. It's a living food. It was recently living. It wasn't made in a factory. It was made on a plant. 
So we want to eat food that is grown on a plant, not made in a plant. Right. Oh, I like that. That's interesting. <laughs> grown on a plant, not made in a plant. Wow. I like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. And so you, you categorized, well, you made food is an energy source, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously. And I like that you said that. And so with that, you mentioned non-toxic living. Yeah. What categorizes something as toxic and non-toxic? And like, what are... <laughs> Non, like what are toxic and non-toxic foods basically why why is that terminology yeah implemented into diet and living like what is toxic yeah okay so when i talk about non-toxic living that more ha- doesn't have as much to do with food in the realm of food i would say it's eating more organic produce because okay. toxins are things that our body is exposed to that are harmful especially in large amounts they put a burden on our detoxification organs. So like our liver, our kidneys, our gut, they are really hard on our bodies. And these ingredients are found in things like food, like processed foods, packaged foods, mm. and pesticides especially, which mm. is why eating organic is really important. Right. Because we're limiting our pesticide exposure. But non-toxic living in my world focuses a lot on the products that we use in, on, and around our body. So any sort of personal care products that you use like deodorant shampoo and toothpaste and perfume and cologne, all of those things are notoriously full of chemicals that are known to cause cancer and brain disruptions and hormonal imbalances. And then as well as the things that we use around our body. So like cleaning products and air fresheners, car fresheners, things like that contain chemicals that really (laughs) mess with our hormones and mess with our microbiome and they're known to cause cancer. They're just really not great for our health. So that's That's another important part of holistic health. I've always wondered why they put aluminum in Mm -hmm. deodorant. I Mm -hmm. never understood that. I don't, maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe through your expertise or like through your travels or you've, you've like (laughs) found out why aluminum is in deodorant. Does it have like a does it hold stuff better? Like, yeah. what, do you know? Or like, I'm not I have no exactly idea. sure, just, but I don't know. I'm pretty sure it has something to do with helping with the sweat, like helping That's you so sweat less. Weird. Yeah. It just doesn't horrible. seem normal. No, it's awful for and you. Same thing. Like you and I have talked about this before, mm-hmm. but like the fluoride and toothpaste. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Weird. Don't get me started on fluoride. <laughs> you don't like fluoride. <laughs> I wrote a 20 page research paper for one of my college classes all about fluoride. So I like dove deep into the research. Like I was reading the scientific studies and seeing both sides of it. Right. And yeah, 100% it's awful for us. It seems gross. And it does not actually help prevent cavities. That is a myth. It just helps start cancer. <laughs> yeah, it gives or, you brain cancer. Right. Jesus. Yeah, yeah no, it's a neurotoxin. Never, it's weird that we put mm-hmm. some random stuff into our products and just like maybe because it makes it cheaper or like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've always geeked out on that too and I just don't get it. Yeah. It's weird. It makes it cheaper. Mm-hmm. It's easier for these companies to just manufacture chemicals in a lab versus the effort and money that it takes to get like essential oils from plants. Like that's a really expensive labor-intensive process of like extracting real lavender versus making synthetic lavender in a lab oh i see yeah yeah so that's like fragrance and stuff like that but also they might find that some of these chemicals make the products work better like non-toxic quote-unquote crunchy crunchy products people are always hating on them saying that they don't work like oh natural deodorant doesn't work or non-toxic shampoo Mm. isn't as good or things like that. And it's because the chemicals that they use in the regular products do make them more effective. But Mm. at what cost? I also think it's just competition. Yeah. I think they're just jealous. I think they're just not (laughs) jealous, but they're like nervous that like, oh, Mm. there's this other 
there's this other guy in the field now. Like, what do we like? We got to do everything yeah. to patent it down. Yeah. Like one of my favorite things, like for competition and for advertising and marketing, whether it's true or not, I don't know, but it's just mm-hmm. stuck in my head. Um, in this TV series I watched called Mad Men, mm-hmm. they're all um, big marketing. There's this big marketing agency that runs a whole bunch of companies and runs campaigns and everything. And uh, one of the like during the first season of the show, um, their big supplier of I think it was Marlboro cigarettes. They were trying to like push Marlboro out, but then things came out about cancer and like at the because it was it's in the base in the 50s and 60s, mm-hmm. and so there was a bunch of articles being released in the show saying, "Oh, cigarettes are bad. Cigarettes are bad. They're not clean. They're whatever." And so there's an infamous scene where they're sitting in a conference room. They're trying to figure out how to market cigarettes. And the one guy stands up and he goes, you market it by saying our, um, our tobacco is clean. And they're like, that's genius. Like that's going to work. And so they put it on billboards and everything. Mm. And it's like, our stuff is clean. Mm -hmm. And so like, I just think that's kind of where all these companies are at right now. It's like, well, how do we twist? How do we twist this? Because yes, now we got more competition and they are using stuff that people might be like, oh, I don't want the fake stuff. I want the real stuff. Yeah. Let's see if we can push them down a little bit. Yeah. They don't work. It doesn't work. We hold better. Mm -hmm. I just think it's fascinating because now here comes the marketing game. Mm -hmm. And there's this whole thing called greenwashing. I don't know if you've heard of it. Greenwashing. No, I don't think I've heard of that. It's like because non-toxic stuff is getting more popular and people are realizing like, oh, maybe I don't want all these chemicals in my products. Right. So big companies that don't really have the best intentions that are not really trying to be non-toxic they're just trying to make money like you're talking about mm-hmm. it's exactly like what you're saying they'll like write on their label like made with natural ingredients or things like that that make you think it's better than it yep. is but if you read the actual ingredient label which most consumers don't do because it's overwhelming and we don't right. know how to interpret these like crazy scientific words no if we you don't read, know anything about them yeah exactly but if you know what to look for and you know what ingredients are like big no-nos right then you can scan the ingredients of something that says made mm. with natural ingredients right and you'll be like this is not natural at all like this is greenwashing <laughs> that's interesting that's funny like that it just totally reminds me now of like the big protein thing yeah my favorite oh, is when you God. find a protein bar that's like <laughs> the first thing advertised mm-hmm. is the amount of protein in this product you're getting but then when you flip the back over it's also like there's 60 grams of sugar mm-hmm. how many ever grams of fat made with all this stuff and you're mm-hmm. like well now that's interesting like yeah. i always thought that's so funny that's the first thing i think of is yes. the protein like above all I always thought that was so funny and now I could see that with other things made with all natural stuff Mm -hmm. and then you flip the label and Mm -hmm. like it's not completely natural it's all wishy-washy yeah which is like one of my biggest tips that I tell people with all of this stuff is become an informed consumer like know Mm. what you're consuming and don't look at the stuff on the front whether it's toxic products like the shampoo you're buying or the toothpaste you're buying, or it's a package of crackers that you're getting, like literally ignore all the marketing and advertising on the front and flip it over and read the ingredients. Like know what you're putting in your body. What are the actual things that you're putting in your body, whether it's food or anything like that. Interesting. And that's like the most important thing. And where would you go? Like a normal person, like where Mm -hmm. would they go to just Googling? Like, do you have a website that you trust more than another? Like Mm -hmm. books, like where would you go? Is this becoming a more, easier accessible thing or is it still you kind of have to dig to find it for like non-toxic ingredients like for instance like what you were just saying about like the like being an informed consumer say i picked up a bag of something i wanted to know more about it where would i go yeah just being a normal person Mm -hmm. so i'll start with food and then we'll go to products perfect with food 
it's really so simple. We way overcomplicate this. Mm -hmm. Food should be things that have one ingredient. We all know what food is, like I was saying, living foods. Right. So the produce section is a perfect example because everything in the produce section doesn't even have an ingredient list. But it's just it it's is. It just is, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so like that's a perfect instance of we know that those foods are good for us. It's one ingredient. There's nothing else in it. When it comes to packaged and processed foods, we obviously want to minimize those as much as we can and not eat them. But an easy way, an easy place to start is if you can pronounce all the things in the ingredient list, if you know what they are, then that's a good, a good starting point. Like that's if you good. flip okay. over and the box of crackers has like oat flour and salt and olive oil and rosemary and like right. that's basically it. It's like, okay, I know what all those things are. Not red dye number seven. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not red dye number seven or like all these artificial sweeteners right. that we can barely even pronounce. Xanax gum or whatever. Yes. I always see that a big pop. It's like X-A-N something. Yeah. Something gum. Xanthan gum. Yeah. Xanth yeah. There you go. Yep. Horrible for your gut. Sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> but it's so bad for you. Uh, so that's like the place to start. Okay. You can go, you can become a more purist with this. I would consider myself more of a purist because okay. I just like don't eat packaged foods for the most part because they really interfere with my gut health and with my health in general. But then when it comes to products, I have a few recommendations. Okay. The first one is called EWG Skin Deep. EWG so it's Skin the Deep. Environmental okay. Working Group Skin Deep. And it's a website that you can go on and you can type in your product and it will give you a rating like zero to 10 of how toxic it is. So you want to keep it in like the green range, which is like zero to four. And then it's yellow and red and it will break down the ingredients in the product and tell you if they are linked to cancer, mm. if they're linked to any sort of condition, asthma, anything like that. Mm. And over time, if you just do that, if you just enter your products in there and see that, you'll start to realize what are the ones that cause the biggest problem okay. the biggest one that i can think of is fragrance if you see anything that says the word fragrance and it doesn't say like natural fragrance or essential oils if it just says the word fragrance which 99 percent of all products in the modern you know supermarket have this at the last it'll be like the last ingredient don't buy that because hmm. <laughs> it's carcinogenic right it's horrible for our hormones it's just really not good so that's the first one ewg okay. the second one is an app called think dirty <laughs> and you can okay. actually scan the barcode of your products and it will Whoa. do like the same thing and give you a rating for all of them. And also it'll give you alternatives, like better alternatives than the product that you're using. Oh, okay. That's mm -hmm. interesting. That's really good to know. Yeah. I might even start checking that out too. Yeah. That's fascinating. And that's nice that you can scan the barcode because mm -hmm. that makes it accessible. Yeah. Typing in stuff on Google could be a pain, especially mm -hmm. when you're in a rush. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. Yeah. That's cool that you're able to plan your life out over life, ex like over life experiences and stay dedicated mm. to this plan. And so with that, this is, I've always wanted to pick your brain on this because mm -hmm. obviously that takes a lot of dedication and that takes a lot of time and that takes a lot of willpower mm -hmm. to keep pushing yourself to do these things. What, what do you, what do you think the difference between habit and discipline is? Mm. Or no, I'm sorry, motivation versus discipline. Cause habit, we can talk about that later, but basically motivation versus discipline, because like when you watch that documentary, you could have very easily been like, Oh, I want to do that. Like I can do that. And then you never did it. Because mm -hmm. I th I think there's a good difference between motivation and discipline. What yeah. do you think the difference is, and like how do you blend the two and stay on track? Because you've stayed on track really well, and you're <laughs> now applying it to other people, and it's working successfully. So, mm -hmm. what do you think the difference between motivation and discipline is? Yeah. Oh, this is a good question. I think in order to make a big change in your life, 
you have to get to a point where staying where you're at is more painful than making the change. Mm. Like making a change is painful. It is. We want to stay the same. Like humans it's love easy. consistency. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I got to a point in my own life. Like it wasn't like I just watched this documentary. I was feeling great, watched the documentary and changed my life. Like, right. no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Like I was at rock bottom. I was so uncomfortable where I was in my life that making a change was almost easier than staying where I was at. Mm, so that's, that's like okay. the motivation, you know, that was like the, in, the initial spark that led me down this path and then sticking with it and being consistent and continually learning more and nourishing my body well and taking good care of myself has come because it gets easier as you go along this path because you start to feel better right. and you get addicted to feeling good. And you notice that going back to what you were doing before, you don't feel as good. Right. And it just brings you back to what, like, it's like a constant course correction of, I want to feel really good in my body and in my mind. And I know what makes me feel that way. And that has what, that's what's keeping me on this path is feeling good. And something that I believe in more than discipline is devotion. Like Ooh. I'm devoted to feeling good in my body. Right. It's not like I have to use a lot of willpower or force and like manipulating my life, like beating myself up right. to stick with this. It's just like a deeper, I honestly think it comes from self-love and self-respect. Okay. Like I value myself so much now and I didn't used to, this is from doing the deep healing inner work. Mm. I value myself and love myself so much that I'm completely devoted to feeling good in my body and feeling good in my skin and living a long, healthy life. Like I want That's to experience as much as I can out of this life and I want to have good health for the rest of my life. I don't right. want to be old and in a nursing home and not feeling well. Right. So that like vision of health and well being for my whole life is what keeps me on the path, but it's the daily devotion to feeling good that helps right. me make decisions every day. Like what am I going to eat for breakfast? What am I going to eat for lunch? Like, yeah, it's convenient to eat fast food. It's convenient to just buy the shampoo at target that's cheaper and has all the toxic chemicals in it. But how do I want to feel when I go to bed tonight? How do I want my hormones to be this month? How do I want my digestion to be right? Like that is what keeps me making healthy decisions every day. That's interesting. <laughs> That's cool that you just totally reworked your mindset from that. And I never, mm -hmm. it's funny. I never realized devotion. So like you're saying that like discipline comes from devotion. Yeah. I just feel like it's a different approach. Like mm -hmm. to me, discipline is like a very almost masculine, like I'm going to whip you into shape. Like, right get gonna, there. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. get you on track. I'm going to keep you going. Yeah. Versus devotion to me is okay. more of like a heart led thing. It's ah, like mm -hmm. a body led. It's like a, almost like a surrender. Like I'm just giving, I'm going to surrender to this experience of feeling good. I'm so right. devoted to it. It's not like a forceful thing. It's yeah. like, a, it's like I want to. Yeah. You have the will mm -hmm. you have the, yeah. From to, yeah, in order to keep discipline, you got to have the will. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, that's good. And so you're saying that like diet helped you changed. It helped you change physically and mentally, right? Like just mm -hmm. changing your diet makes you feel better. How come when we're like, when we have a nice, nice dinner mm -hmm. from like a fast food restaurant, how come we don't <laughs> feel as clean after eating that versus eating like a salad? Like, oh, don't yeah. you get more from eating like a cheeseburger from McDonald's than you would like a salad you made at home? Like, what, are you, what is your opinion on that? Like, why is clean food superior? Like, what does it do 
physically to us. Yeah. What do you mean, like, get more from eating at fast Like, you know, like, don't, like, I always thought that, like, I'm not going to have a salad tonight because it's not going to be filling. Like, I'd rather go and have, like, a burger and fries because that's going to fill me up. But, like, recently I'm changing my mindset on that. Like, I could sit down and have a salad and actually, like, oh, I actually do feel full. Like, maybe it's a Mm. stigma. Like, I don't know. Like, clean foods have more substance, I'm realizing. I'm, like, I'm wondering if you can, like, harp on that or like tell me why yes yeah oh my gosh i have so much to say (laughs) let it out okay well first of all our bodies are designed to eat those living foods and when Mm -hmm. we eat fast food processed food over time we become used to how that feels in our body Mm -hmm. and so we think that that's how we're supposed to feel at the end of a meal versus we're supposed to have energy and feel light and like we can move around like you're not supposed to end your meal feeling exhausted and like you need to go take a nap But if that's what you're used to, then when you eat more clean foods, it's going to feel like you're missing something. Like Mm. you don't have that same like really heavy feeling in your stomach. Yeah, you do get a really heavy (laughs) feeling in your stomach after greasy stuff. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that's one part of it. Another part of this is I think people don't understand how to actually eat healthy, Mm. which is where I made a lot of mistakes early on. Because we think like, oh, salads, they're so healthy. Or fruit, so healthy. Vegetables, so healthy. But we, that's not sustainable. That's not enough calories for us to satisfy our appetites. Like right. We need to actually eat balanced meals, which is something that I talk a lot about with my clients and on social media. Because putting our meals together in a way that's actually giving us the calories and the macro mm. and micronutrients that we need is really, really important. So, like, yes, salads are healthy, but that's just a lot of fiber and vegetables. And right. maybe you put some chicken on it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But where's the carbs? Where's right. the starch? Like, where's the healthy fats? So, you know, making sure that we're actually eating the right proportions in our meals and including whole carbohydrates with all of the things that we eat, whether it's sweet potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh or quinoa or rice or beans Mm. or regular potatoes, anything like that that's actually starchy and satisfying, which is a huge misconception. Carbs are not bad for us. Whole carbs are not bad for us. Right. I could go deep into that. Okay. (laughs) So that's like one part of it, like actually making sure our meals are satisfying and giving us enough calories so we're full at the end of a meal and not craving more things. I don't know if that really answers the question. No, I get it. No, I, I mm-hmm. actually understand now. And I do find it interesting that you do support carbs because like it is so <laughs> funny. Like I've always heard that carbs are the devil. Like don't mm-hmm. eat the carbs. You don't need carbs. Yeah. I wonder why that became stigmatized and popularized. And now people are like, maybe you do need carbs because I've always mm-hmm. been told like don't eat bread. Like yeah. bread is the devil. Stay away from bread. And like sure, maybe like pure white Wonder Bread isn't mm-hmm. the best thing ever because that's I don't even know what that is. It doesn't have really <laughs> much nutrients other than tasting good and sugar. Yeah. But like other bread with like different um, different grains and different seeds and everything, like at least it has substance. Yeah. I always thought that's interesting, but that's good that you're a proprietor of carbs. <laughs> yes. Carbs are good. Whole carbs. Whole carbs. Life. Right. Yeah, whole carbs. What do you mean by whole carbs? Like yeah. what is a, is there a half carb? Is there a part <laughs> carb? What's the difference between, what is a whole carb? Yeah, whole carbohydrates are things that have not been processed. So Wonder Bread, white Wonder Bread, is a very processed carbohydrate where you remove the fiber, you remove the outer shell, you process it, you add oil, you add sugar, you add salt. Like it's very far removed from its original state. So whole carbs are very close to their original state. Like a sweet potato hasn't had anything done to it. It still has all the fiber intact, all the nutrients, vitamins, minerals. It's very whole. 
versus if you take that sweet potato or let's go with a regular potato, for example, Mm -hmm. if you take a regular potato and you cut it up into super thin slices, you shave off the skin. French fries. Yep. You deep fry it in Mm -hmm. oil. That becomes a French fry. That's not a whole carbohydrate. You've removed a lot of the fiber. You've added a very inflammatory process of frying it in inflammatory oil. Right. Like that is very different from eating a baked potato with no oil on it in the oven. So whole Mm. carbohydrates are essential for us because we need the fiber. We need the minerals, the micronutrients, the macronutrients, but we want them as they're as close to their whole state as possible. I see processing. Yeah. So with that idea too, so like the difference between brown and white rice, so like brown rice is better than white or because like Mm -hmm. to get white rice, you're taking Mm -hmm. the fiber something out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You take the whole, the shell off of the brown rice and turn oh, it into white rice. So it has less fiber than brown rice does. But the debate of brown rice and white rice is kind of controversial. Mm. I personally think it's better to choose whole grains as much as you can. So choosing brown rice is probably better than choosing white rice. Okay. But I think sometimes we get too far into the weeds with nutrition. And right now, most people are eating fast food and Mike and Ike's for dinner. <laughs> Don't, don't, don't out me like that. That sounds like a Friday night. (laughs) No. And so like swapping that meal for white rice and vegetables and avocado, like that's amazing. So yeah, it's like, how far are we going to get into this? Like if you've been eating really cleanly for 10 years and you want to make little changes, yeah, maybe choosing brown rice is going to be the healthier choice. But if you're right now eating fast food and have no idea what to eat healthy, eating white rice is not going to be bad. It's not going to make you... Sick. Right. And you even, and like, obviously it's still rice. I would think like mm-hmm. minute rice, you know, the box minute rice. Yeah. Is that okay? Yes. And no, cause I don't feel like sitting <laughs> like at home with my pot and like getting the real rice and waiting, you know, waiting yeah. for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So minute rice thoughts, mm-hmm. thoughts on minute rice. Okay. So that's my favorite thing ever. <laughs> Here's what I have to say on that. Uh-oh. I'm a huge proponent of non-GMO and organic. Mm. So if you can find microwaved rice that's organic, which means it will be non-GMO. If it right. has the organic label, it's not genetically modified. But a lot of these like quick, like what's that Bob's rice or something? Uh, Uncle Ben's? Uncle Ben's, yeah. Uncle Ben's yeah. is totally GMO. Uh-oh. So it's genetically modified and okay. our bodies do not process genetically modified foods right. very well. So... If you can find, and I know this exists, microwaved rice that is mm-hmm. organic, go for it. Okay. That's good to know. I, mm-hmm. uh, no, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about it that like, yeah, it has to be genetically modified in some sort of way. Cause like, I don't think rice cooks in a minute. Well, you can. Well, okay. Well, I guess you can, Yeah. They, but I wonder why they have to modify it then. Because they're make, it's cheaper for them oh, to make genetically modified rice. Yeah. Right. But like I have some in my pantry that's organic brown rice. It's oh. pre-steamed. So you just have to microwave it for like 30 okay. seconds and it's good to go. Interesting. But the only ingredient is organic brown rice. There's no added oil, no added sugar. Like it's just organic brown rice. That's interesting. Yeah. And like one of my favorite things about like eating clean, like that mm-hmm. I've noticed for a while and I've always read about it. But now that I'm actually starting to eat, mm-hmm. you know, like staying away from meat a little bit is the inflammation thing. I like yeah. that. Like you don't get inflammated yes. after eating kale and spinach <laughs> and like all these, you know, normal things. Cause like whenever I would eat chicken mm-hmm. or like a burger and I'll still eat chicken, like I like chicken, but mm-hmm. sometimes I just feel like 
Ugh, I just feel mm-hmm. bloated and like feel kind of stiff and like I wonder why and like mm-hmm. what's your thoughts on inflammation because I think inflammation's the devil and like I think <laughs> inflammation is the silent killer above all mm-hmm. that we don't even realize. Yes, yeah, that's exactly what a lot of people say is that inflammation is like one of the biggest drivers in chronic disease and chronic illness hmm. and what we eat plays a huge role in inflammation. Right. Because every time we eat something that causes a lot of free radical damage in the body, it causes that inflammatory response. So your cells are literally changing. Your microbiome changes even after one meal to either produce more gut microbes that release inflammatory compounds or anti-inflammatory compounds. So even after Mm. just like 24 hours of eating a whole food plant-based diet, you can change your microbiome to release more anti-inflammatory compounds. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And does like, this is going to be a weird question, but does inflammation stick around or does it, does it literally come in waves? Like can mm. inflammation just stick or is it very much just it's up and it's down, it's up and it's down. Mm-hmm. What have you learned? Yeah, it can be both. Chronic okay. inflammation oh, is chronic, right. when it's just there all the time, which is what a lot of Americans are experiencing because they're chronically ingesting things that are causing inflammation. So the body never gets a chance to repair that inflammatory response. So you're just living in that state all the time. Mm -hmm. And it can also be not just from diet. It can be from stress, from toxins that we're exposed to, from mental, emotional things, you know, that can cause chronic inflammation. But then more acute inflammation is kind of like when you're sick Mm -hmm. and your body has that inflammatory response, but it brings it back down. Especially if you're eating well and taking good care of your body, you're constantly ingesting things that are anti-inflammatory, like fruits and vegetables and certain herbs and spices are really anti-inflammatory. So you're constantly giving yourself like a dose of medicine, which is why they say food is medicine. That's interesting. Food is medicine. Some good, some bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I understand. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's sweet. And so like obviously inflammation, is inflammation one of the biggest leader or like contributors to leaky gut? Do you think that's why people are having such leaky gut issues now a days mm. is because of all the toxins we're putting into our foods that just we don't even realize? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And leaky gut, like inflammation is a symptom of leaky gut. Oh, and okay. Leaky gut is massively due to glyphosate, which is a pesticide that's hmm. sprayed on everything that everyone's eating. Right. And this pesticide has been shown to tear apart the junctions in our gut lining. So Mm. there's these little cells that line the intestine and they're supposed to be connected in a way. I'm oversimplifying this for the sake. And when we eat pesticides, it rips apart those junctions and allows food particles to seep through the gut into the bloodstream, which is not supposed to be happening. And then that is when the immune system comes in and is like, there's a lot, there's food that shouldn't be in the bloodstream that's in right. the bloodstream and so let's send in a lot of inflammation let's that's where we get a lot of autoimmune conditions because the body is like attacking itself in a way right and it stems from the leaky gut and that can mm. be due to pesticides it can be due to sugar consumption processed sugar consumption and yeah just an unhealthy diet that messes with the microbiome that's super interesting and like now i'm like thinking too like because like i'm seeing like everybody and their mother is allergic to gluten but like back <laughs> I don't know, decades ago, there mm-hmm. weren't a ton of gluten mm-hmm. problems. And same thing with like people allergic to peanut butter. I feel like pe- yeah. everybody's allergic to peanut butter now for some strange reason. Yeah. And like now that you're saying that, like, I wonder if it's just a generational thing and like how we've as a society added so much to our foods over time that like our grandparents ate that mm-hmm. and then our parents came and then they were eating this and then our DNA is slowly morphing. Yes. So what we're eating and consuming. And so now we're born and boom, I have a gluten intolerance, even though my grand, my grandpa doesn't, mm-hmm. my mom may or may not, but I'm just thinking like, 
do you think it is generational now? Because like we mm-hmm. we we eat things that stay in our body, and then we when we reproduce, our cells are reproduced into another human being. Mm-hmm. So they have to have what we're starting and or have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that is part of it, and also the processing of gluten is completely different. The way oh. that we make bread now is mm. completely different than how we used to make it in our grandma's generation, and. Wheat is one of the most heavily sprayed crops with pesticides. Like it's like up at the top. So if you're eating non-organic bread, which is an interesting experiment to do, some people with gluten intolerances can actually eat organic bread and be fine, which is a indicator that it's the pesticides, not the actual gluten. Okay. And it also has to do with the processing of the bread. So there's like a spectrum of bread. Like if you're making homemade organic sourdough with a starter that you create in your kitchen and you know the three ingredients that are in it that's very different than eating like white wonder bread like we talked about Mm, so there's like different breads that you can try like sprouted ezekiel toast right oh yeah that's like the only bread that i eat for so long i didn't eat any gluten because it really bothered me but i seem to eat and tolerate that bread just fine and some of that might be because i've healed my gut microbiome so my gut can actually tolerate it so i'm not having leaky gut and it's right. not causing a problem but also organic ezekiel bread is really high quality bread with not a lot of other ingredients in it interesting so you're a big proprietor of make your own food and like watch <laughs> it like what like because you you're yeah. in control like you just said mm-hmm. and so like even with your clients at home are you starting to push them to either a learn how to make your own food or B, just like at least stay away from fast food and just get stuff from the market that you know is wholly like whole source. Like, are you a big, do you push that on your clients yet? Or are you going to, or has that topic not even arised with mm-hmm. the people you're coaching? Yeah. Well, I would never push a client. Not push to it, do but something. I'm just saying like. <laughs> encourage them. Yeah. Encourage yeah, yeah, yeah. them to stay away from the, the fake stuff and yeah. like encourage them to like, just see where your food comes from and just see what it does. Yes. Yeah. I definitely do that. But a lot of my clients are kind of already on that bandwagon. Oh, okay. They're well, kind that's of, good. Yeah. They're kind of into that whole foods eating and they're just wanting some more guidance with like a healthy relationship around food. So that's more kind of what I'm talking about with them. But yes, I definitely talk about that a lot on my social media and encourage people to go down that path. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. What are your top three favorite foods? I think I already, <laughs> know. already I mean, know. I think I already know, but I want to know more. Japanese sweet potatoes okay. is number one forever and always. <laughs> Love it. Okay. <laughs> They're just the best food on the entire planet. That would be number one. Number two, mm, I would say maybe mangoes. Mangoes. And this might change because this is just where I'm at right now. Japanese sweet potatoes are always number one. That never changes. But the other two change. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Okay. So Jap, JSPs, mangoes. Mangoes number two right now. And probably avocados. I just love oh, avocados. Avocados are very superior. Mm-hmm. I, there, there's a reason why they're so expensive. It's because they're so good. They're and so there's good. so many adaptations. I know. I have to eat at least one a day. One a day. That's pretty good. <laughs> they're a great, they're a great fat. They're a great oil. Mm-hmm. And they're just a great spread. Mm-hmm. My mom made just for dinner one night, just out of the blue. She was like, you know what? We're just gonna have avocado toast. Like I used to make fun of people. They would eat all avocado toast. It's so it good. seems so stupid. You literally get a piece of bread and put avocado on it. You sell it for $10. But she made like, she got the, the Dave's killer rockin' yes. bread. Um, she got, she put the avocado on it, mm-hmm. but then she got like eggs. She got like mm-hmm. a, um, over easy egg or whatever that sold the oak in, or the oak the yolk <laughs> in it and spinach on top yum revolutionary i could probably eat that the rest <laughs> of my life it was so good mm-hmm. everything i mean it was like mm-hmm. yeah i love avocado that's awesome but yeah. why why japanese sweet potatoes and not just a <laughs> uh, sweet potato 
Japanese sweet potatoes are completely different than regular sweet potatoes. And are they from Japan? I think so. Yeah, they're from Okinawa. Okay. I think. Ah. I don't know if they still probably the ones that we're getting at the grocery store are not grown there, but mm-hmm. I think they originated in Okinawa. I okay. could be that could be totally wrong, but that's just what I think. But orange sweet potatoes are trash. They're disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're watery. Uh-huh. Japanese sweet potatoes taste like cake. They're thick. They do. I they're can so I can sweet. second that. I thought you were I thought you were crazy Mm-mm. when you said that, but no, you're right. They do. They taste like cake. They're just so much better. I eat one every day too. They are good, especially when they're cooked well. Yeah, when they're cooked well. Here's how you cook them perfect. Okay? Let's hear it. Spit you it. put the oven at 375. Okay. You wash them and cut off the tips of them so they mm-hmm. don't explode. Or you can poke them with a fork, but I like to cut off the tips. Okay. And you put them in the oven at 375 for like an hour and 15 minutes. If they're really, really big, do like an hour and a half. If they're tiny, do an hour. But you can't really mess it up. Like potatoes are really forgiving. Like even if you leave them in there like mine right now are in my oven. Interesting. It's been in there for a long time. Yeah, you've had them in the oven all <laughs> Overnight. night. Not on. The oven's yeah, not on. The oven's on. off. But yeah. yeah, unfortunately. Anyways. They're for like crispy. An, <laughs> they're going to be so crispy. For an hour and 15 minutes. Okay. Then you turn the oven off, but leave them in. For like a few hours. So they cool off as the oven is cooling off. Yep. So they're like kind of still cooking, but it's like getting less and less and less. And then you take them out and put them in the fridge and eat them the next day. Because overnight they get like even sweeter. Nice. Okay. I like <laughs> it because I, now I asked that because like I was curious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got to start making them again. They're so good. They're so good. They're, so they're good. the bomb. Mm-hmm. One last food related question. Then okay. We're going to get deeper. Okay. Well, I guess go. this is already kind of getting deeper. Does... <laughs> Uh, here we go. Okay, let's go. Does does plants do plants have a conscience? Oh. <laughs> do plants have a conscience? Do they do plants live and think and are they able to feel their surroundings? Like what do you think? Do plants have a conscience? Are they aware? I think yes. Yeah? Why? Yes. Elaborate. Plants don't have a nervous system in the way that we do, like a brain. So their conscious, in my opinion, is different than our and than ours, but I do think they're aware and they can sense what is around them. They can sense us. And one thing that I know we were talking about this a little bit ago, but I want to talk about I it. Was on gonna, here. I was going to ask you anyway about yeah. it because I think I know what you're going to talk about. Yeah. So there was this study, and maybe I need to find the study to actually have proof of it now that I'm talking about it on a podcast. It's up to you. <laughs> but. So there was this experiment or this study where they found that plants actually change their nutrients in them depending on the person who's growing them. So say you have a garden and you go out to the garden every day and you're watering the plants and you're giving them fertilizer, you're tending to them. The plant is able to actually sense you and what nutrients you are low in or need more of and then upregulate its production of those nutrients for you. So then when you go to eat the plants from that garden, you're getting this like customized plant that matches exactly what your body is needing in that in that moment. It's so wild. And the only way that. that that could happen is if plants have a conscious. Like they're able to sense us and what we need in a way that maybe we're not aware of. That's so fascinating. I mm-hmm. uh, that's like that's so trippy to me because but it, it makes sense because like it's living. It's growing from the ground and it's growing towards the sun. There mm-hmm. has to be some 
some mechanism within that plant that understands what's going on. And if you're affecting its energy from the sun or if it's you're affecting whatever energy it's going to affect it in any way shape or form Mm -hmm. like it sounds dumb like i think we even talked about this but if you were in a room with Mm -hmm. a plant and you were just negative all the time Mm -hmm. it's not going to grow right i think you were telling me that like even if you were like talking to a plant saying like you're ugly you're stupid Mm -hmm. it's gonna have a worse time growing than if you were encouraging it and saying like you know changing the atmosphere of its environment I think that's really interesting. Yeah. And here's another example of that, which is what we were talking about. Crunchy fact of the day. Yeah. We're going really crunchy right now. I love it. (laughs) This is very crunchy. I love it too. Um, If this is an experiment that people have repeated over and over and over again, I haven't actually done it myself, so I need to, to prove that it works, but I've watched it on YouTube a million times. You take a jar of rice, like you cook some rice, white rice, put it in a jar, take the exact same rice, put it in another jar. On one of the jars, write a sticky note that says, I hate you, and put it on the jar. And on another one, say, I love you, and put it on the jar. And then every single day, go up to the I hate you jar and put your hands around the jar and, like, say all the meanest things you can think about this jar of rice. Like, I hate you, you're ugly, you're stupid, you're worthless, everything. And then do the same thing to the I love you jar, except say all positive things. Like, you're amazing, I love you, you're beautiful, the best rice in the world <laughs> anything positive right. and actually feel it when you're doing it that's key you have to actually feel because the emotions is what mm-hmm. causes the change and put the rice in the fridge and do this every day for like a week and what happens is that i hate you rice jar usually grows mold it turns brown like you can see it it looks completely different and the i love you rice jar is usually just as how it was in the beginning it's white no mold in it so how is that happening like what is happening in that experiment and that's an example of how our thoughts and emotions impact plants, impact the world, impact everything. Like what we think, say, and feel has a massive impact on everything around us. And sometimes we forget that. Mm-hmm. And it's impacting our own bodies too. Like the thoughts that we think about ourselves, the feelings that we have towards ourselves are impacting every single cell in our body. Every single cell is listening to our thoughts. I yeah i think that's crazy i think that's fascinating that our minds are one of the strongest things Mm -hmm. on the planet we take it for granted like every day like our minds they're wonderful they're crazy and i also (laughs) think that like our subconscious doesn't get enough attention maybe that's just Mm -hmm. me because i think everyone's so focused on consciousness and being in the now Mm -hmm. i think our subconscious plays a bigger role than our our consciousness because like there's say you have a thought one day and it kind of ruins you for that day. It's still going to be sitting there. Even if you're in, it doesn't matter the next day you're sitting down doing something else. That thought is still there and deep down, you know it, but mm-hmm. you're going to do nothing about it. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's the steps you take to actively get rid of that subconscious thought and, or put it to conclusion. Yeah. I think consciousness and subconsciousness are the craziest things. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What do you think our conscience is? Like, what is our conscience? Why Why are we sitting here? Why are we talking? Why are we doing a podcast? What is consciousness? How are we able to do this? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on it? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Curious. Let me hear it. I think our consciousness is our soul in a way. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not our mind. It's not our body. It's something that is impermanent or permanent. I don't know what the word is. Like, it never goes away. Permanent. Permanent. Mm -hmm. I think impermanent is it's not going to last forever. Okay, then not that one. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Uh Permanent. Like even after we die, after our body isn't here anymore, our soul 
becomes whatever it becomes. It dissolves into whatever it dissolves into. I don't know. I don't, nobody knows, but nobody knows. we all have theories about what that is. Mm-hmm. So I think our consciousness is our soul and it's our intuition. It's our deeper being, right? It's not a doing. It's just something that is. I love it. <laughs> and it's, our subconscious, yeah. in my opinion, our subconscious is our body. Interesting. It's like the, the, the signals and the feelings in our body, because from a nervous system perspective, there's something called neuroperception, which is basically your nervous system is constantly scanning the environment around you for threats. So it's like a subconscious thing. Like we're doing it right now, even though we're not aware of it. Right. And that's why if like an, a cat jumped out in front of your car, you would like slam on the brakes and you would feel that like anxious right. feeling. It's like your subconscious was scanning for that. And the minute it saw that, it flipped on the fight or flight system, but our subconscious holds deeper emotions and deeper thoughts and deeper beliefs about our lives and about ourselves. And it's like stored in our bodies. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm a huge proponent of doing things to get stuff out of our body because we could talk about it all day long. But like you said, you have a thought about yourself and it sticks with you in the back of your mind all day. It's like mm-hmm. that is being stored in your body, in your cells. And if we don't address it and don't close that loop and let that cycle end, then it just stays there like an open tab on a computer. Hmm. I like that. That's funny. And like the way you're explaining that makes me highlight my theories mm-hmm. on consciousness even more. And I've never said them out loud. So this might sound nuts, Let's hear but it. like you just kind of labeled it. So like, I always pictured consciousness and our souls mm-hmm. and whatever as like a battery. We, like you said, we are a life source and I've always pictured it as like, you know, on ships, the radar, mm-hmm. the little radar blip, it's just spinning and spinning mm-hmm. and spinning. To me, I picture that the consciousness, the energy that we harnessed from another human being that went and left its energy to go find somewhere else. Cause I feel like in like, like plants energy is always recycled. Yeah. And like, I still feel the same thing with human beings. Like, I, it's no coincidence that when it rains, the water sits on the ground and it evaporates back up to the clouds and mm-hmm. it comes back down. Mm-hmm. I think that as human beings, our energy is given to us when we're born. We go through our life cycle. It's at its highest peak. It's at its lowest. But then as we start to get older, we start to lose our energy and die. Well, then that energy just gets recycled back to another person so they can live their experience and go to the next person. Yeah. That's what I think was happening. So anyway, consciousness, I picture as being the little, little radar blip on a ship. Mm-hmm. It's always actively searching and it's always running and it's always looking for us to do something and keeping us aware of what's happening. And then our subconscious is that little blip that pops up on the radar. It's another ship. It's another something. But in the context of your body and your mind, it's a it's either a good thought, a bad thought. It's something. It's there and it's mm-hmm. always there. And depending on how urgent you want to act on the subconscious thought or not is how close it gets to the center or how, to you or how far away it stays. If it's not that urgent, it'll stay there, but it's going to stay there because you need to address it. And so like, I always think that like, we are the, (laughs) we are the captain Mm -hmm. of our own ship and our Mm -hmm. consciousness is the radar blip. And that our subconscious is what comes into our field of view. And sometimes we could have multiple blips and whether or not we want to address them, Mm -hmm. we can, some of them need to be addressed, but it's, it's up to you as a person, you're in control of the ship. And then when your energy is done, it gets passed down to another person. That's what mm. I've always thought. I don't wow. know. Think what I you will. That. Never said that out loud, but that's just what I've always pictured. Because like, I love that so it's much. an energy that we can't describe. 
Mm-hmm. And to me, a radar, that's an energy we can't describe. Like, of course, I'm not a scientist. So I don't know how radars work. But to mm-hmm. me, that's just a random thing that's always in search. Scanning. Making sure you're good. Yeah. Right? And then when something pops up, it's like, oh, now that's interesting. Good or bad, it's there. Yeah. Wow. So it's like the ship or the captain of the ship mm-hmm. is your soul. This is the soul. It's, the, yeah. the radar is the consciousness. Mm-hmm. And the things that show up on the radar are subconscious. Oh, the subconscious that is thought. such a good way to explain it. Yeah. And also that's like consciousness is awareness. Yeah, exactly. Like it's awareness aware. of what you're going through. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm aware right now that I'm like touching my skin and I'm aware right now that I'm awake. Yes. Right. And it's the thoughts in the back of your mind that come up whenever mm-hmm. in any situation that you're not aware of that just pop up mm-hmm. any emotion you're feeling. Like I'm not going to, I'm like, I'm not aware that I'm going to be sad in 20 minutes. It could just happen. We're unaware of what could ever happen. Mm-hmm. And so like, there's the little blips coming in mm-hmm. all the time. It's always in circulation. You never stop. It's mm-hmm. just how you address it. Yeah. And you can strengthen your consciousness, which is like oh, interesting through things like meditation and even having mm-hmm. conversations like this, because right. when we have awareness of what's going on, when we can watch our thoughts and watch, like almost watching ourselves from the outside, then we have the power to choose like, I like if we're that. stuck in it, if we're so in our bodies and like in the moment, we can't make a higher choice because it's just like it's happening so quickly versus if you can pause and like remove yourself from yourself in a way and mm-hmm. see it from the outside, then you can actually choose what you want to do. Like, am I going to, from the example of food, am I going to eat fast food tonight or am I going to put in a little effort and cook myself a meal? Right. It's like you can't even have the awareness that you're in that moment of making a choice unless you have a strong consciousness and awareness of the thoughts going through your mind. That's fascinating. Mm -hmm. No, that's true. And I like that you brought up meditation. Mm -hmm. Why is meditation important? Because now that in the same example of the radar blip, I feel I am not super, you know, versed in meditation, but I've seen it. I think I understand it. I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, meditation is where you completely shut everything out, all distractions out. So it's just you and your mind and you either focus on a specific thing or you spoke, you, you focus on clearing your mind. And so then from the radar blip, I kind of picture meditation as, as if you were that radar blip, the spinning mm-hmm. circle kind of stops and you just see what's around you and you intertwine and you weave between the different blips on your radar and depict, how am I going to solve this today? Is this a big deal? Push it away or keep it and go gung ho. Like what is your experience with meditation? Is, is that analogy correct at mm. all? It's really close. And this okay. is just my experience with meditation because that's a huge misconception with meditation is that you just like don't have thoughts you just like shut out your mind and like tune out the world and it's just like that never happens unless you're enlightened and dead Mm. yeah (laughs) i love it okay (laughs) because the human mind is constantly thinking so the goal of meditation is to strengthen your awareness strengthen your consciousness because you're going to be constantly going back and forth from say you're focusing on your breath and that's the way that you're meditating you're just thinking of your breath every time you breathe in and out you're just focusing on it all of your attention on that sensation and then you start thinking about your day and the minute you catch yourself thinking and realize that you're not thinking about your breath that is the instant that you're strengthening your mind whoa because you get lost in the thought for a minute to a point where you you don't even remember that you're meditating like you're literally just thinking and then you're like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be thinking about my breath right now. Right. Let me think about my breath. And doing that is like doing a push-up for your mind. You're strengthening your mind to be able to focus on something. Mm-hmm. And you're also creating a deeper awareness of your thoughts because you just had that awareness. You just stepped out of your thought 
and stepped back into the radar in a sense right. of observing. Mm-hmm. Like you became the dot on the radar for a minute cool. and you just zoomed back out to the radar itself and were able to see, Oh, I was stuck in a, pro- a pattern of thinking. I'm going to go back to just watching the thought and not actually thinking the thought. I like, ah, I like that. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And I do like how you said it's a push up for the mind because training your body is just as important as training your mind. Everyone always like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym and work out my body. And then you do nothing for your mind. Yeah. And after a while you kind of, I think you subconsciously realize it. And like, I definitely did even just the past month when I was working out, like I was working out, but I wasn't in it. And it's because there's mm-hmm. something else that I've, I should, I should have done more cognitively training mm-hmm. than I should have physically training. And that caught up with me a little more. So I do think I like that aspect. And I think that, mm-hmm. like you said, meditation can really help you realize that like, wow, strengthening my brain is just as important as strengthening my mm-hmm. whole entire body. Yeah. That's cool. And then it translates into your life because right. when you do that every day and you sit down for a few minutes and practice thinking and then returning back to your breath and thinking and returning back to breath over and over and over and over again, and you strengthen that ability, then when you're going throughout your life, it translates over into your daily experience. So you are feeling stressed out at work and you have this awareness, oh, I'm feeling stressed out right now right. versus just being so stuck in the stress that you become it and you you lose the, the sense of awareness that you're actually a soul having an experience mm. and you just become the experience I see. versus meditation reconnects you with your soul and reconnects you with the thing that's behind the thing, mm. if that makes sense. No, that definitely <laughs> makes sense. I No, that's fascinating. I, I love that idea. That's that's crazy how that works. Yeah. yeah. Strengthening the mind is something important. And I always, I always, something I, I've always harped on it myself is to never not be busy doing act like actively learning because mm-hmm. the moment you stop doing, for instance, like the things you love, mm-hmm. it's going to slow you down cognitively and it's going to slow you down in general. Cause like when you're doing the things you love, you're always striving to learn more. Right. Yeah. Like when I play guitar, like I love playing guitar, but I always want to learn more because if I fall in the same pattern of doing the same things, you're not really learning anything. You're just kind of mm-hmm. repeating. And so when you're actively learning, it, it actively keeps your mind thinking and engaging and going and it keeps you sharp. Yeah. Just like working out. If you work, if you keep benching the same weight, yeah, you're going to probably get better rep wise, but you're not going to get any stronger. You're still plateaued right there. You have to force the barrier mm-hmm. and learn, well, how can I add an extra five pounds or I'm just going to add an extra five pounds and go and make sure you're ready to go. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. It's always fascinating. Yeah. I think we thrive as humans with challenge. Mm -hmm. Like we think that avoiding challenge and avoiding pain would be better. And if we could just have nothing to do all day, like we all experience this where we want summer vacation with school. And it's like, Oh, I can't wait till we have summer. And then summer comes and it's like, this This is so boring. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like we thrive as humans when we have problems to solve and challenges to overcome that are within our capabilities, like things that we know we can solve, but they're a little bit outside of our window of tolerance. So it's a little bit challenging. Right. That's where we really thrive. And we think that avoiding that and avoiding the pain, avoiding the discomfort is going to be what makes us feel good. And it's getting to the other side of it. That feels good. It's going through the challenge that feels good. No, that's true. And just like my coach always said, he said, your body will tell you, your body will tell you you are tired, but your mind will say otherwise. Yeah. That's my favorite thing ever. And it's so true. (laughs) It is so true. Your mind will tell you, you can't do an extra 10 pushup or I'm sorry, your body will say, Hey, you can't do an extra 10 pushups. But deep down, if you really focus on it, you're going to get them done. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. The Mm -hmm. power of the mind is insane. Yeah. Yeah. 
I love it. And I also, with that, I also like, I'm starting to really appreciate the notion of rest Mm. and not, yeah, like it's great to like keep wanting to challenge it. But if you keep challenging things like too much and you don't allow yourself to naturally stumble upon what you're trying to do, at least I find this out with creating music or writing a book or anything. If I sit there and try and force myself to do it because I want to push the envelope, nothing happens. It's when I'm actively doing something else away from that task that I'm like, oh, there it is. Like, it's very strange that like weird balance of, um, you know, actively staying engaged while actively not being engaged at all Mm -hmm. that you find the inner balance of there it is. There's a song lyric or boom, there it is. There's the next, there's the next word. There it is. Like, I think that's fascinating too. Yeah, me too. It's that that conscious and subconscious idea again, Mm -hmm. all over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's like a part of our brain. I wish I could remember what it's called. I thought, I think it's like ROS or something. Mm. I don't know if it's reticular reticular activating system. Jesus, that's a big word. It's some you know sort smart of words. I love it. <laughs> I don't know it at all. It's some part of our brain that's like only activated when we're doing like mundane tasks, like oh. driving, right. showering, like things that we've done a million times. Yeah. So we're still using our brain, but it's so like background. Right. And when we're in that mode, it's like, oh, it's the default mode network. Default mode network. The yeah. DMN? Yeah. Something like that. Okay. And you're like in that system then your creativity can come online because it's like your brain Whoa. is engaged just enough that it's like aware, but it's not so fully focused on the task that you can't like see new possibilities. Right. So that's why doing things like taking showers and going for walks, stuff like that, when you get a lot of good ideas because your brain is like just engaged enough to be awake, but it's not fully immersed in something. Mm-hmm. And that's also the part of your brain that's activated when you take mushrooms or I things love like it. that. Okay. Yeah. Which it's is why a lot of people have creative ideas when they're doing that sort of thing. I, okay. I guess from that aspect, I can understand why like a lot of creative people do different substances. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I personally, I, I don't know. I'm always just weirded out, but I bet if I tried it, I probably get some weird explosion of ideas, but <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty cool. I think you could probably also get that maybe from like a run too, because like anytime yeah. I'm done running, mostly running, bike riding not necessarily, but anytime I go for a run and I get home, mm-hmm. I have this explosion of ideas, and I think it's exactly what you were just talking about. You're yeah. you're consciously aware, but also just enough not aware that like there it is, there's yeah. your spark for whatever you need to do that day. Yeah, it's fascinating. Oh, I love it. I love it too. Mm-hmm. I think we pretty much <laughs> talked about oh. One, one last thing and then we can kind of wrap it up. Mm-hmm. So like with the whole idea of like pushing the envelope, well, we kind of already talked about it. I was going to ask you about like too much stimulation, like in the world of TikTok and oh. the world of scrolling and the world of like algorithm and the world of YouTube, like mm-hmm. here's some more of this stuff you might like, like mm. what, why, why do you think we're in this world of too much stimulation? And like, yeah. what, what is the effects of too much stimulation? Oh my gosh. I have so much to say. Yeah. It's extremely addicting Mm -hmm. and it's extremely overstimulating for the nervous system, like you said, but we increase our stimulation needs. When we live in a world that's extremely stimulating, that becomes like our baseline. So nothing, it's like when you feel like you just need a hit of something, like it's like not scratching the itch. It's like you need a certain amount of dopamine released from these activities because we've trained our brains and our bodies to survive on that amount of dopamine. So this is actually a big part of 
my own health practices is I try to reduce the amount of stimulation coming in from like all areas of my life Mm. because it really messes with your dopamine craving and reward pathways in your brain. And it makes you just crave more and more and more of that. So like with food, there are foods that way overstimulate these dopamine pathways. When we combine salt, oil, sugar, brownies, yep, cookies, <laughs> exactly mm-hmm. into a food, it just it releases such a massive amount of dopamine. That is why we have these intense cravings for those foods. Like yeah. our bodies are wired to crave those foods because if we were in the woods and we were living a thousand years ago, a food that had fat, oil, and sugar and salt and all these things together would be like a calorie miracle. Like it would yeah, exactly. survive, help us survive. Yeah. So we're, we're wired to crave those things. So not eating those things helps lower the amount of dopamine that we get from food. And when we eat lower dopamine releasing foods that we're designed to eat, like fruits and vegetables and whole grains and beans and legumes and sweet potatoes, right? then it doesn't spike up our dopamine as much. So that's like one area of it, but then it's all stimulants like caffeine everyone is so addicted to caffeine they have no idea what it's like to even live without caffeine caffeine. (laughs) that's a massive stimulant yeah (laughs) and it releases a lot of dopamine right alcohol is some people's choice Mm -hmm. scrolling and social media is massive amount of dopamine that our brains have never been exposed to before and when we are living in this dopamine puddle of just constantly searching for dopamine we can't focus we feel like we can't do what we actually want to do. Like our brain is being like pulled in other directions mm. and it's really hard to actually get something done that you want right. to get done. Cause you're just like constantly thinking about like food or TikTok or whatever. So right. yeah, reduce, reducing the amount of dopamine we're exposed to, I think is really important. I like that. And I'm glad that you tied it back to food. Cause that was another area that I wanted to tackle real quick was like mm-hmm. the the dopamine hits from food because yeah. like that's one of the easiest, especially junk food because it's like when you have a cookie and a brownie, mm-hmm. it's the bad sugars that your body ingests and they mm-hmm. bounce a, they bounce around your intestines like a like a ball because yeah. your body doesn't know how to process them. Like our body yeah. bodies naturally do not know how to process natural sugar or I mean artificial, unna- sugar. Yeah, artificial sugar. Yeah. They don't know what to do with it. That's why we can keep eating so much of it. Mm-hmm. It's because we don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And like when you eat an apple or when you eat a banana, there's so many other substances alongside the sugar yes. that can make us feel content and full like the fibers exactly. and everything else that goes with that sugar that like you can have an apple and say, okay, I feel satisfied. But like when you have one cookie, you don't feel satisfied. Mm-hmm. Like another big example is cereal. Yeah. You can fly through cereal because it feels like you're eating nothing. <laughs> exactly. And it's just all that processed sugar yeah. and your body's converting it and it's just so wired and sticky and mm-hmm. yeah, it's crazy. Exactly. And like, yeah, and I feel like TikTok and all that is just another subconscious prime example of that sticky sugar. Yeah. We're not used to having so much content in one easy accessible thing that when you keep scrolling, it's like, I can't get enough of this. It's mm-hmm. crazy. It's weird. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because this no... is not natural. It's not a yes. natural thing that we're, we as human beings are just used to seeing. It's so new and exactly. it's, it's very sexy. Like this idea of like, I can get so much content mm-hmm. in one thing. Mm-hmm. Crazy. It's wild. Yeah. And then when you program yourself to be used to that sort of thing, like mm-hmm. when eating the cookie is your norm, right? then like an apple tastes disgusting. Yeah. Cause you're, yeah. And same thing right. with TikTok. It's like, it's social media and TikTok and like constant, like the constant TV, like having TV on while you're eating and wh- like listening to podcasts while you're driving, like the constant input, if that becomes your norm, then it's like, 
I'm going to go sit outside and like watch the birds for a minute. And it's, there's like nothing appealing to it. No, it's like, this is the most, like, it's so boring. Yeah, it's, it's too so stagnant. Boring. Like I got to keep moving. Yeah. It's wild. Which is I, why doing like a dopamine reset is good. Like mm. cutting off all of those things. So your brain can actually reset. So that way those things are appealing. Like eating whole real foods tastes amazing. Right. Because you don't eat the other stuff. So your dopamine adjusts and you actually get the same amount of dopamine from eating an apple as you would from eating a cookie if you adjust your dopamine. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And so like cold turkey, that's the easiest way to go I with the dopamine. So. You just drop it. Drop it all. Yeah. Well, because it's, it's like any addiction. It's Right. Like it is like any addiction. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's funny. And like one last point and yeah. then we'll conclude it. But that's funny because it's like. We already do a reset without us really thinking about it. Like like sleeping, that mm-hmm. is our reset because we go through the day, we do whatever we want, but then after a while you get tired of that day, so you go to bed and do it again. Because yeah. if we never went to bed, <laughs> we'd never get anything done. We'd never want to continue further than where we're at. That yeah. sleeping resets everything. And so I think that dopamine release also does the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. You cut it out, it makes you get back to the basics where like sleeping clears out all those thoughts you had for the day. And you wake up feeling ready to do it again. Yeah. And with the dopamine reset, you shut everything down and you feel like, okay, I can actually do something now. Like I clear, let's get anything and everything done. Mm-hmm. I think that's fascinating. Yeah. And one more thing with that. Let's see it. Is I've actually heard that what you do first thing in the morning is like setting up your dopamine for the rest of the day. Interesting. So if you wake up and just start scrolling on TikTok, you're that's like it. setting your threshold <laughs> right. for the day. And that's like all. And I, I've noticed this with myself. Like I've Same. experienced it before. Everybody, yeah. Everybody's yeah. guilty of it. Like the rest of the day like nothing is like as satisfying. Like all you want to do is like go on your phone. Right. And same thing. Like if you wake up and eat a bowl of cereal for breakfast, like you're setting your dopamine yeah. to crave that. So like, this is where I'm super intentional about my mornings is like my mornings are the way that I set up myself for the day. Like I don't go on my phone when I wake up, I meditate in the morning. I'm getting back on my meditation schedule. Yes, you are. Love it. And I eat a healthy whole breakfast, something mm. with whole foods, simple foods, no sugar, no oil, you know, just right. real whole foods. And that sets my brain up for the day to not be craving dopamine for the rest of the day. No, that's perfect. That, yeah, that definitely makes sense. That's why they're always like, get everything done in the morning. Creative wise, get it done. Go Mm -hmm. to the gym, get it done. Mm -hmm. Go for a run in the morning. That's when you have the most energy. That's when you, whether you realize it or not, it is when you are going to be the most focused is Mm -hmm. when you wake up at like later in the night after the day. You don't want to do anything. No. It's never going to happen. Mm-mm. But the mornings, yeah. mornings are key. That's what I'm really starting to realize. And yeah. You're going to like appreciating the morning time. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. No yeah. TikTok. No TikTok. No TikTok at all. <laughs> Get Just it kidding. out. But um, yeah, <laughs> no, this is great. Mm. Um, last question. Yeah. Um, so I wrote a song a couple years ago called Pink Skies. Yes. And I wrote it with the intentions because like, I worked at a golf course in the mornings. You're up before the birds. So you're up and you get to see the full color spectrum of the sky. And so like, if you're up at that, or at that time, you'll know what I'm talking about. So I wrote pink skies because I was working under a pink sky and like you had to get an objective done for that day. And like, you're working towards that objective under a pink sky. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote it as any goal you have is my pink sky. And my pink sky was getting things done and being more creative and, leaning being me is basically like my pink sky at that time was for me and mm-hmm. so like i want to ask you like what right now and it could change because pink skies change mm-hmm. there's always different colors every other day and they change depending what right now in this current period of time is your pink sky oh what a good question hmm right now i'm really focusing on 
enjoying the chaos. Mm, that's beautiful. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Because I'm at a point in my life where I know that things are only going to get crazier. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I feel like I'm at a big transition where I'm holding a lot of different like balls in a way, like mm-hmm. different aspects of my life that okay. I really care deeply about all of them and I want them all to grow. But I know that the chaos and that like stress of holding it all can feel like a lot sometimes. It's true. So I'm really focusing on enjoying it and finding little tiny moments of peace and calmness, even when the schedule is full. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just feeling like I can actually hold it. And I know that has to do with my nervous system. Oh yeah. I'm getting there, expanding my capacity. And you know, right. And you know, the nervous system. Well, I do out of all people. get it. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. So Mm -hmm. that's really what I think my pink sky is right now is just enjoying the chaos. No, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. I love it. Ash, thanks for doing (laughs) this. Thanks for doing this. Y'all No, this is great. This is amazing. I'm really glad I got Mm -hmm. to do this. Me too. It's a privilege and honor to have you on this. Mm -hmm. I'm super excited. Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful. No, thank you. And make sure you follow Ashlyn at the Heartlet Wellness on Instagram. Yes. And she also has a website. You go to heartletwellness.com. Yes. She's available for coaching calls. (laughs) Sign up with her you will not be disappointed you you would love it and if you have any other plugs right now is the time to plug it those are my plugs that's it all right instagram heartland <laughs> wellness oh and my podcast and your podcast yeah it's the Heartland wellness, wellness. <laughs> yeah everything is heartland wellness yeah it's easy that's amazing you have that all patented and like everything's that's you yeah, you that's got me. that i am heartland wellness and that's for you are heartland wellness <laughs> yes thank you cam no thanks ash thanks mm-hmm. for being on here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of course till next time till next time <laughs> bye bye <laughs>